Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were ever wondering uh, about how to get a conversation going quickly or how to learn something about someone rather quickly, I've got the perfect question for you. What shows are you watching right now? Uh, yes, I know that not everyone has spent their quarantine time or even the part of this new year watching new TV shows or trying to binge watch whatever's popular. But for those of you that have spent some time watching TV, there is quite a lot to watch right now. Uh, and based on some statistics that I got, it means that I would say that the average American is watching a good amount of TV. I was looking at a survey done and they said that in 2020, uh, there was approximately two hours and 45 minutes of TV watched on a daily basis by the average American. Now, that number seems a little bit low if you think about it, but that was only watching something on the television. It was not including any apps or um, watching anything on a computer or on a phone or a tablet or anything like that. So if you add in those numbers, my guess is the average would probably double, if not more than that. And if you look back to 2017, that is what the number was. Uh, the average American watched four hours of television a day. Now, I know some of you are probably listening to this and saying, who has that much time to watch TV? But that is what the survey says, and so we're just going to go with it. And if you were to ask me what shows I'm watching right now, I have about four to five that I could tell you. But this morning, I'm only going to talk about one. Uh, this is a show that my wife, Lauren, and I just recently started watching. And it's fair to say that we are late to uh, the binge watching fest. Um, this show actually came out in 2013 and became very popular very quickly. And it was on for five straight seasons with glowing reviews and people loved it. But then they took a break in 2018 and actually uh, they're coming out of their break here in 2021. The show is picking up again. Uh, the show is called Fixer Upper and it's a show in which uh, the title literally explains what happens in the show. Uh, it follows a couple named Chip and Joanna Gaines who are from Waco, Texas. And what they do is they go around and they fix up and restore houses to uh, their original or their new glory. Now, what's interesting about this show is that not every house is the same. And essentially, Chip and Joanna do this for certain couples who are usually on somewhat of a tighter budget. And so they have certain confines that they have to work in to try to restore these houses. But it's always an incredible kind of um, process to see all the work that goes into it and all the time that it takes. And usually these houses, they're not the best. However, uh, they're exactly what the couple is looking for. And so um, as Chip and Joanna and the rest of their team normally say, their motto is this, uh, they take the worst house in the best neighborhood and turn it into their client's dream home. So now Lauren and I have been watching and I'm really captivated just by the overall process and all the work that goes into it. Um, especially the overall kind of restoration of things when uh, they take things that were old and, and ratty and nasty and all of a sudden they make them new. I mean, it's pretty incredible. But something that has struck me as we're on our way into season two is the time that it takes to restore these houses and uh, all the time that goes into the process of restoration. See, uh, normally these are about 40 minute episodes and yet the restoration itself takes place over 14 to 60 days. And so in 40 minutes, you really kind of fast forward through quite a bit of stuff. You have to capture it all. 
But the restoration process often takes longer than we actually realize. And I don't think that's just true about restoring houses. And in fact, in some cases, the restoration process, honestly, is just ongoing. But we'll get to that in a little bit. See, as we enter into week three of our Lenten series, Return and Receive, we've been walking through what it looks like, all the things that we receive as we return to God. And so we started off talking about how Jesus renews our relationship with God. And then last week we heard about how Jesus reorients our lives to God. And if it wasn't already clear, this morning we're going to be talking about how Jesus restores our lives. And in fact, in this morning's text, we got kind of the literal interpretation of what restoration to life looks like. But as is often true with the miracles of Jesus, there's always more going on in the story. Now, I know that this morning's text probably sounded rather familiar to you. Uh, I know that Pastor Mark has preached on it a number of times. And even if you don't necessarily remember those sermons, this is one of those miracles that really no one forgets. I mean, anytime you hear the name Lazarus, this story is where your mind goes. And I can even remember when I was in a fourth grade in Sunday school and we talked about this story and just being so captivated and so shocked and just kind of like that mind-blowing feeling about something like this happening, this miracle here. And I think as adults, there's a sense in which we've kind of lost that mind-blowing feeling that when we hear this story, it doesn't strike us the way that it did when we were kids. And I think that's just because when we talk about it, especially as adults, it just sounds so simple that Jesus makes it sound so simple. Uh, we kind of give the shorthanded version, uh, the 40-minute version, you may say, when we talk about this story now as adults. Um, basically, we know the finer, or we know the, the broader details of things. We know that someone came to Jesus and told him that uh, someone, his friend, his, his, someone was sick, a guy named Lazarus. And Jesus says, don't worry, he'll be okay. A couple days later, Jesus is told that Lazarus has died, and so Jesus gathers up his disciples, and he goes back uh, and to where Lazarus, uh, his hometown, and where his sisters are, and where all this grief is happening over Lazarus' death. And, and then they go to the tomb, and Jesus says, remove the stone. And Lazarus' sister is like, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. It stinks. And Jesus is like, don't worry, I got this. And all of a sudden, he just says, Lazarus, come out. Just like that. Lazarus walks out or kind of stumbles out of the tomb. Remember, he's wrapped up in all these cloths, right? And so uh, Lazarus just comes out because Jesus says it. I mean, talk about that immediate restoration. Things just happen because Jesus speaks here. And isn't that kind of what we would like to have in our own lives? Uh, maybe not the specific nature of being dead and being brought back to life in, in the sense of the miracle that it was, but just that quick fix, that simple, that simplicity that Jesus does things, the way that he works things out. And we kind of live in a world that often drives us towards the simple and the quick and the easy sort of fixes. I mean, our world is constantly trying to figure out how to do things faster and easier, right? You want a keyboard? You want a new article of clothing? Do you want, well, I mean, just about anything? Click one button online and Amazon will have it to your front door in 24 hours or less. Uh, if you want to know how to be happy, just take this one quick survey and you'll be given the keys to happiness. Do you want all your troubles to go away? 
Just do these five quick things every day and you'll have no more troubles. I mean, uh, the world of instant gratification tends to lead to the implication that instant restoration is just around the corner. And it sounds so simple. It's kind of like watching a 40-minute TV show in which a house is restored that actually takes 60 days, but you don't actually realize that. I mean, in fact, that instant nature of things is what we did, or what I just did a few moments ago as I walked through the story of Lazarus. I gave you the 40-minute the TV version, so to speak. See, because if you were to go back and you were to look at all of John chapter 11, but even just verses 1 to 44, the story here, you'll realize that there's a lot going on, that this story actually happens over the course of an, almost an entire week. And that uh, the details here explain to us that this was such an impactful moment in Jesus' life that Jesus truly understands all the emotions that everyone is feeling and even the emotions that he himself is feeling. He understands the grief that comes with facing death. And it's not only because he himself would later experience that, but because of things like this, because of moments like this story today. You see, Lazarus was not just another random guy to Jesus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. In fact, if you were to look at John 11 in the earlier parts of, of the verse uh, of Scripture, we're told that when Jesus is told that Lazarus is sick, it tells us that the one whom he loved is ill. I mean, can you consider yourself a friend in Jesus and what that would have meant? Jesus was close to Lazarus. He cared about him deeply. And not only that, Jesus cares about his family as well. Because later on when they're at the tomb and, and Mary and Martha and everyone is grieving and filled with such great sorrow and sadness, Scripture tells us that the Spirit in Jesus moves and causes him to grieve. That Jesus himself cries because of how sad he is over the death of his friend. And also how sad he is seeing what death has done the grief that it has caused Mary and Martha and so many others. Jesus knows how difficult it is for us to face death or the death of our loved ones. And even more so, he deeply knows the reality of the brokenness and the deeper, darker reality of why death happens in the first place, which is ultimately caused by our sin. And so what Jesus does is he does the one thing that no one could ever do. He does the one thing that nothing else can do. Jesus restores our lives from out of death and into life. See, in the context of the things that Jesus is restoring, Jesus is constantly at work. See, because Jesus restores us from death and the sin that death leads to in our lives. Jesus restores us from the sin that causes so much damage in our lives. Like the damage of a relationship that's broken because of uh, broken trust. Or 
our broken hearts after the loss of a loved one. Or the constant battle that we fight against sin and temptation that ultimately leads us into sin. That we need to be restored from Jesus is working and restoring all of these things. His promise to you is that he will do this for you. And this promise, in fact, was made to you already. It's a promise that you received on the day of your baptism. Just as St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The promise has been given to you. Jesus' desire to restore us from death to life is already underway, and it's far greater than we can ever imagine. Because not only is Jesus restoring all of our daily wants and needs, not only does he restore even our relationships and our physical bodies, but Jesus restores our souls. He goes down into the depths of hell. And he rescues us from death and brings us into life. He restores us through his death and his resurrection. And so right now, you've already received and are living in the reality of promised restoration. It's yours. You have received it from Jesus. You know, in the show I mentioned earlier, in Fixer Upper, uh, Chip and Joanna, as as the show kind of goes on throughout an episode, they always end up finding something else that's going on in the house. They end up finding something that is wrong, whether it's a warped floorboard or a, a problem with the electrical wiring or even just rotted wood underneath the walls or in the foundation. And so they have to figure out a way to fix it, that, that there's always something else in this process. And I think that accurately illustrates how there's always something else going on in our lives that Jesus is still at work to restore by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that reality of the now and the not yet that we live in our faith. That uh, because of baptism, we have already received the promises from Jesus. We've already received the promised restoration. And yet at the same time, we do not receive it in its fullness and it's not complete in our earthly lives. So right now, we're in the restoration process. We're still in need of fixing things. We're still in need of God's forgiveness. We're still in need of confessing our sins and asking God for that forgiveness. We're still in need of being reminded of God's great mercy and his love and his forgiveness and his grace that we have already received because of Jesus. And this process is daily. It begins each and every day as you wake up and continues even into the night as you fall asleep. The Holy Spirit is at work constantly restoring and working to restore all that needs to be restored in your life, even when you don't know it. And so what this means is that as the Holy Spirit is at work, we ask God for some patience 
that God will help us to be patient because restoration takes time. And yet in this process, we're driven to trust in God's timing, in God's constant work through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. This restoration that continues in us until the last day. And so until that day, we trust that Jesus is working in us, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is working to restore all things in our lives. And dear brothers and sisters in Christ, my hope and prayer is that this restoring work that God is doing in you will sustain you, will fill you, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are filled with the hope and the reality that restoration is happening for you right now. And may that sustain you in both body and soul until it is completed on the last day. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.